0: Happy Saturday morning, everyone. Welcome to Kafaru Cast. Uh, I'm not writing solo today, although Frank is at the house sleeping. Um, my uh, probably mostly silent co host on the other side of the table is uh, Amy, my wife. I drug her ass down here. Say hi. Good morning. (laughs) But uh, we've got uh, a super good friend of mine, a very knowledgeable guy, and uh, super funny as well, Randy Cooling uh, from Michigan, right? You're from Michigan?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I live by Ann Arbor.
0: You're from Iowa originally, aren't
1: you? Uh, That's where I grew up, hunting whitetails there, yeah. Yeah. Kind of miss it, but I've been away so long now, this is home. I like it here.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm not overly familiar with Michigan. Ann Arbor is kind of a higher-end area, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's a college town. University of Michigan, Wolverines are there. So in the big house, you know, it holds 100, and I don't know, 13,000, 14,000 people in there to watch a football game. So, uh, yeah, it is. it is that That area right there is very much higher-end. It's typical college town, you know, big college town.
0: Yeah, but by, by the way, you get to get paid and watch the game tonight because of your uh,
1: oh yeah your
0: occupation.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I fix elevators, escalators, and uh, they need people at the ball game. If I'm usually, I miss a few during the year because I'm hunting somewhere, but uh, if I'm home, I'm I'm over there for home games, guarding the place.
0: Yeah, that's not a bad racket. That's a good deal. How, so you you uh you work on elevators. Have you you've done that your whole life, haven't you?
1: I've been doing it for 40 years and I'm starting to get very tired of it. Just I don't know. It's just it's good it's a good job, but and it, it it pays well, but uh just 40 years of doing the same thing. I'm uh, I don't know. I probably I I keep thinking I'm going to quit, but and do something else i could i can draw my pension right now uh but it's it's hard it's 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 very hard to uh just stop doing something that you've been doing for so long i didn't think it would be but it is the more i think about it
0: yeah you'd probably be bored do you so coming from the you know commercial glass side of things where we you know installed uh Doors constantly, you know, all glass doors and Herculites and everything else. Do you run into the same problem where you put 14,000 yards of ribbon up that says do not enter and caution and whatever, and then you still get some asshole walking over the top of you?
1: I'll tell you what, we have barricades, these big barricades that we wrap around the ends of escalators on the top and on the bottom because we take steps out and run the unit without steps in it when we're working on it. Plus, there's a big hole at the bottom for the access plates and actually hospitals are the worst people move the barricades jump over the hole and then ride the escalator up and if i'm at the top working i don't notice it right at the top (laughs) and I, i i usually chew their ass out and uh and and tell them that they just don't realize that they could die and the worst part about it is i have to go to court because they were stupid and waste my time and uh you know, it's just it's just crazy what people do. It's I think it's there's people are so used to driving around roadblocks, roadsides, you know, that say road posts, that I think it's okay to go around barricades, you know, even though you see these holes in the floor and stuff, you know. It's crazy.
0: It got so bad. I mean, thank God with technology, we would photograph from the snorkel lift the surrounding. Area, So people, so if OSHA, if anything ever happened, we had like photographic evidence of what we had barricaded and closed off because I had Uh, to go to court, you know, uh, those big, you know, like, uh, dead blows, the rubber mallets full of sand. Mm -hmm. So we Mm -hmm. use those to put on pressure plate when you're putting in storefront and, uh, we're doing a Safeway, by the way, Safeways in Colorado are like the crackhead, uh, grocery store king supers are like the cleaner ones it's not like that everywhere (laughs) safeways are nice and other places here you might get some kind of i mean you could definitely buy crack outside of it they're bad but they wanted to kind of redevelop the look of safeway and try to make it not look crackheadish and so we got the contract and as you can imagine you know, it's not like because they're putting new storefront in, the crowd of people immediately changes. So you get all these, you know, cracked out, drunk up people coming in and out. And (laughs) there's this cracked out chick coming in. And I didn't know. And we had it barricaded off. And, you know, guys are yelling at her, but she doesn't know what's going on. I'm in a snorkel lift. I don't know, you know, whatever, 30 feet up. And I can't get this pressure plate on. You've got to put a Lexan block on it and, Uh, tap it, you know, tap it in normally and it kind of clips in. Anyway, this is when I was probably, you know, potentially taking extracurricular (laughs) drugs to enhance my strength. So I may have had a bit of an anger issue at the time and I'm beating the living shit and I snapped the head off the dead blow and it cracked her right in the head and knocked her out right in the middle. (laughs) Of this, uh, you know, barricaded thing. So, of course, my buddy, uh, the first thing he's like is take a picture of that dumb bitch knocked out in the middle. <laughs> so we have evidence that she's there in the middle. And it wasn't like, oh, it bounced off out of the barricade and then her try to sue us. Um, and I ended up having to go to court over that. And and it's amazing, too, once people find out it's a company vehicle or whatever, um, yep. like I had a piece of glass come off a truck and I turned a Honda into a fucking Lexus overnight because uh, of the damage <laughs> car wasn't worth 2,500 bucks. They tried to sue us for 17,000 for, oh, and it's like, look, God. it was a few pieces of little glass hit your car. How much mental damage could that have caused? You know, it was just crazy. But, and I'm sure with elevators, yep. it's way worse, more danger. Oh, people are,
1: people are always complaining and, you know, they won't watch this. This big box stops. It has automatic doors, and they won't even look down to see if the thing misleveled or that, and they're tripping in. And and of course, you know, uh, elevator not leveling, twelve inches off, and you go there and it's a half inch off. You know. Yeah. And uh, one of one of the worst things I've seen. Uh, I had a woman one day. We had the uh, down escalator off. The up escalator running right next to us, and a woman with a little tiny baby holding it with both arms wrapped around it runs down the up escalator.
0: Oh, good and, Lord.
1: And I stopped, and the guy who's working me. I said, Hey, hey, look, you got to see this. And I said aloud, she'd hear me. And I said, You got to see this. I, I just can't believe someone's that stupid. And uh, she gets to the bottom and turns around. And she goes, It's a long ways to the stairwell. And I said, ma'am, it's a lot farther to the hospital. <laughs> and and, geez. and, and I, I had a woman one day come up to me and say, she stuck her hand in the doors, and she didn't get it in far enough to trip the protection. And it hurts, just the outside doors clamping on your fingers. It really hurts. And I was on top of the elevator and had the doors open. And she come up and says, hey, I just got my fingers smashed in these doors the other day. And I said, yeah, it really hurts. I've done that, working on them. And I said, but ma'am, I make it a practice to keep my hands out of mechanical things that I know nothing about. to walk off. And so, yeah, yeah, you know, so you got to, anymore, you know, that that was actually years ago. Anymore, you got to kind of be careful. Uh-oh. You know, everybody goes, all you got to do is go to Kone.com and file a complaint on me, you know. <laughs> it's so easy, you know, to get get a hold of them.
0: Man, I, I've got Back to. Back then. I've got a, I've got a story, but I'm not sure we may have to edit this out. But uh, you'll find some humor in this. So, you know, we Denver, right? There's certain areas of Denver that are extremely, extremely high class million million dollar homes, and and we used to do a lot of all glass shower doors, like Euro doors, and then we'd have glass uh, countertops where we had water jet cut sinks. Anyway one of these places (laughs) wanted this giant three quarter inch thick glass dinner table and the thing must weigh like 800 pounds, right? So, you know, keep in mind, we can barely find guys to pass a drug test, right? Let alone try and look clean going into these places and have the fucking common sense to take your boots off before you walk into the million dollar home. So we had a crew of you know, semi-presentable guys that were strong, right? And we go in, and this piece of glass is giant. Trying to get it in the front door, we get it, we tabletop it, we lay it down, and she's in there with a magnifying glass, and she kicks it back. So, you know, we we bring it back, and, and my boss, who has got a sense of humor. Like no other, and he's worked construction from the ground up. So he started as an installer and then bought the shop, and then, you know, and and this is towards the end of my career in construction. And so, we go with a second piece same thing she's in there with a the magnifying glass and you know i'm like hey ma'am these this is a big piece of glass and it's not going to be perfect and for you to need a magnifying glass you know i feel that that's above and beyond and of course she said she didn't care and oh you know probably 65 <laughs> year old woman and her husband died and was right. left millions right so here we go with a third piece a week later and at this point you know dan is like what are you guys doing did you cardboard the glass up whatever so we get it she kicks it back and i'm like ma'am oh. i'm gonna have to i'm gonna call my boss the owner of the shop and have him come out so now the one thing i'm leaving out is this this lady was she was jewish um so dan, <laughs> dan comes to the job site near the house and they're arguing back and forth, and finally I hear Dan go, ma'am, there was only one perfect thing ever created in this world, and you people killed him. And she <laughs> she cut him a check. <laughs> that was the end of the <laughs> <laughs> I, oh my god! I, and you got to figure half of my crew wasn't smart enough to get the joke, and the other half was laughing so hard they couldn't control oh. themselves. So the dumb half that didn't know what the hell he was talking about are looking at us like, "What's so funny?" And I, <laughs> we loaded up our shit and left. <laughs>
1: oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Well, he he knew. <laughs> oh, he, yeah,
0: yeah, I, he I, he was funny.
1: I, I, We had a customer, I'll make this quick. We had a customer call one time and wanted light bulbs put in their elevator. Now, that's just maintenance, general maintenance. All you got to do is take these light bulbs out, screw them back in or whatever for us. Anyway, he calls me and wants my boss. He says, these lights have been out. I need you guys out here immediately to put them in. And he says, sir, it's going to be a heck of a bill. I got to send one of my guys out there just to change light bulbs. And he says, I'm telling you, I want them out here and I want them out here now. He says, it's going to be a big bill. And he says, I want them out here. So he sends one of the guys out there. You know, they got to drive maybe 40 minutes, whatever. you got travel time there, travel time back, and all that. Puts it in. The guy gets a phone bill or gets a big bill. You know, it's probably like $800, $900 or something to change these light bulbs. And he calls my boss up, just rip-roaring in that. And he says, he says, God damn it, I could have got a Harvard graduate to come out and do that for way less than what you charge me. And all my boss says was, sir... I suggest next time you hire a Harvard graduate <laughs> and the guy, I just, just shut up and uh, that was it. You paid, know? Paid the it bill. went on. But yeah. Yeah. But it's just, I thought you were going to tell me at the glass thing, you took the very first one back and she okayed it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, time,
0: would, I would, I would be, it. I would be lying. Uh, if I said I had not done that before, you know, said <laughs> it, flipped it, <laughs> said it the other way, yeah. you know, Even though this is more about hunting podcasts, while we're telling stories, I'm sure most of our listeners will get a kick out of these. I got another one that you'll enjoy. Um, And keep in mind, uh, one of the reasons I was able to hunt so much when I worked glass is I was good enough at my job, I would say, I'm taking a month of unpaid time off and you can just not hire me back if you want. And they always hired me back. So I, you know, I had a lot of leeway there, but you know, you also were forced to work with, you know rena drunks and maybe people that you know (laughs) quite possibly can't read and write and there's a lot you know when they're trying to figure out dividing like 118 in three-eighths divided by two and they just flex the tape measure in half and then go to where it was (laughs) bent over shit like that so we're uh (laughs) we go out to this mall out east where we just did we won the contract and you know how like outdoor walk around malls are they're generally 14 different colors and i just epic pain in the ass so jeremy and i go out um to do the punch list and you know walk the job or whatever and and i was running the the whole show, but there was multiple different crews and everything else because was such a big project. So as you can imagine on those jobs, there's a set number of people on the contract that you have to have on the job. Even if they're just stealing oxygen, they've got to fill the numbers for the job site report. So Jeremy and I go out just the last two, and it and it, this is the kind of fun jobs where it's just Jeremy and I for a week doing punch list items, uh, you know, your people watching, staring at, you know, trophy wives and shit walking around. And so we go to Banana Republic where the door closure is not working correctly, and it's an overhead concealed, so the door closure's inside of the door header. So Jeremy walks up to it and pulls the snap cover off to take a look at it and oil just pisses all over jeremy's face and these overhead concealed closures are 500 bucks each right they, they're they guaranteed forever and jeremy of course is looking at me with oil all over his face like what in the f-? and immediately i'm like huh i got a pretty good idea of what's going on so You have sash that holds the transom glass in, right? And you got to screw the sash in, and that's what captures the glass over the door. And this fucking—oh, I shouldn't use the R word. This guy (laughs) that did this took a 3-inch 12 to screw in the transom, the sash, and screwed into the fucking closure. So he drilled— all the way through. And you know how much, how hard it is to drill through those closures, as you can imagine. Oh. Ran the screw in into those, and so it's just pissing oil. And and so Jeremy and I, you know, immediately, I mean, what do you say, right? Oh. There's oil all over this hardwood floor. You know, the owner's looking at you, and oh. I'm like, hey, look, uh, whoever installed this obviously needs to be fired, and, and they're watching us, you know, and, and of course— we probably could have been a little bit more discreet um, about the issues that were going on as Jeremy's on top of the ladder, you know, dropping F-bombs and the R-word and everything else about the guy that installed it. So we we pulled those out and immediately red flags are in my mind of how many transoms did this guy put in. And this guy, hopefully he doesn't listen to the podcast, His his name, we called him Spoo and uh because spoo is oops backwards because <laughs> he fucked so much shit up but when you know <laughs> when you're running manpower issues you know you got to hire whoever you can so we we look through the job site report and who the, the the who was on the jobs those days or whatever trying to figure it out because we're talking hundreds of doors and uh Anyway, it ended up being, I think, 36 doors he puts 3-inch 12s through, so, yeah. Oh, no. So any younger generation thinking about skipping college and working construction, just know you will make a lot of money, but you also may have to deal with some stupid people. And I, we literally could spend four hours talking about the dumb shit I've seen on a job site and mistakes made and yeah. how – oh, we – well, I – Actually, while we're talking and Amy's here, for those who don't know, <laughs> I met Amy on a job site what is it twelve years ago now? Ten years I'm Almost thirteen, actually. So think. as as you know, right, I've got a, a crew with me of how many what do we have? Six guys? Yeah. And she's she's uh, a bank manager, real manager at that yeah. time down at Cherry Creek, which is just full of rich people and we're changing out the old glass and putting in the new glass, you know, right? So it's a demo reinstall. And uh, we had to have one of those 180-foot snorkel lifts because we were coming at it from the road, which there's only like two of them in Colorado, right? It's a butthole pucker when you got that fucker fully extended. Wow. Um, Yeah. Anyway, so she walks under me, and the call sign or the code name, you know, where it's Checker, right, for for hotties. And so (laughs) I... (laughs) <laughs> Real undercover <laughs> shit, right? So Checker, and she looked up at me. She's like, "Are you talking to me?" And I was like, "Uh." And at this time, I was roided out to hell, and her boss was—I mean, it is as gay as could be, right? And so they would stare at us mm-hmm. out the window, like
1: <laughs> we would do. It was diet coke break time. He would call me up to his office so we could watch Aaron out the window.
0: Yeah, that's awkward, right? So, (laughs) but he would bring me water and shit. I'd pop out a window. He's like, "Do you need some water? You look thirsty. You're sweating, right?" I said, "Thank you, sir." And uh, so, that's actually how I met Amy. Originally, was uh, on a job site, and we didn't end up hooking up till a couple weeks after that. We ended up being in an elevator and started chit-chatting. Right? Yeah. 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 Yep. So that's crazy, huh?
1: Mm (laughs) <laughs> oh
0: my God. Man. So yeah. well, how but, your but, wife's uh, a doctor, isn't she?
1: Yeah. All her life, all the college, you know, and, and went to grad school after undergrad. Then she got into med school and then she did a fellowship. And yeah, it was a long, long, long time there. And so she got, uh, you know, it takes a while to get to the point where you get just, I guess what you call a regular job. And, uh, which I thought at the time, she worked so many hours, was gone so much. I thought, oh, good, she's all done with this. Maybe she'll be home some. Well, it didn't change. <laughs> I, I, to, I told her, in fact, I told her because my whole life I've done what I wanted, you know, go when I want, where I want. I don't ask. Somebody asked me to go on a hunting trip, but, you know, I don't have to go home and check. I just, I, I hope she doesn't hear this, but I don't have to go home and check. <laughs> I, just, I just say, yeah, I'm going. You know, I don't want to sound too cocky. But uh, I just said, yeah, yeah, I'll go. In fact, that's how I got hunting with Danny Sturgis is we were at an archery tournament, and he was behind me in a group. And he yelled, hey, I am kind of knew him and talked to him a little. He goes, hey, Randy, you want to go to Argentina next year? And I said, yeah, I'm in. Well, he didn't believe me. He asked me like four more times that day if I was going because he wouldn't believe me. that, that I'd just tell him <laughs> I'm in that quick and stuff. But uh, so anyway – she goes and she she gets a regular job. In fact we that's how we got out of Iowa. We moved to Syracuse. We were in Syracuse, New York for three years. She took a job there and I just transferred my union card and go work on elevators anywhere. And I told I said to her, I said, You know well, since you know, and I don't even remember how long we've been married then, probably probably ten years or so. And I said, You know, I've come and gone and done what I want this whole time we've been married. I hope when you get a job in your home more that it, you know, you don't expect things to change real fast, or and she says, "No, no, I'll be fine." Well, I found out it didn't matter. It's Still, hours and hours and hours, and weekends, and just never know. It just, just she doesn't get home every night till about seven o'clock, seven thirty, and you know, all. So yeah. nothing, nothing's changed for thirty-seven years. I've been married, something like that. Holy. I not calculated. Something like that.
0: So yeah, so you're in a union, right? Is, is that right? Yes. cause, cause yeah, it, yeah, I I lived in Minnesota for a bit, and um, you know we're what you guys would refer to as rats out here. Um, Colorado's not a yeah union dominated state, and uh, uh, I will say like my employer, whatever, he paid us extremely well to where it was you know equivalent or above you know what 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 union guys would make. Um, and
1: union? I've seen places like that.
0: Yep, and, and so you know coming from. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my first day working for a, a, union place because, non-union, you know, it's not as is or break oriented, and you don't have to. I mean, it's not like a lot of guys will work through lunch and take off, and uh, you know, you know, it's rather it just works straight eight, and and uh, anyway. Uh, the work ethic and I, please no union bosses call me. I'm not saying anything bad about the union. This is my limited experience. Uh, So I get
1: to
0: the, well, I get to the job site and it's one of those strip mall deals and there's like a hundred doors to set. And so, you know, me being me, we pull up whatever. And I mean, they're standard, super simple, like, um, exposed, I guess was what you would call it, uh. Uh, closures, right? So they're pretty easy to set. So anyway, I, I grab a door off the truck and, you know, throw it over my shoulder. And the the guy that was running the job, I get about, I don't know, 50 feet away. He goes, hey, high pockets. Where the fuck are you going? <laughs> and I, <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, I was going to go set this door. And, and I kind of figured, you know, I'll just run... Around the whole building, and I'll hang all the doors and get them, um, you know, racked or whatever. And then you just come behind me and put the closures on. And he goes, All right, Slick. Or no, no, he called me Big Wheels. He goes, All right, Big Wheels, you want to work till June? You want to work till January? And I was like, mm, January? He goes, Well, let me tell you what we're going to do. We're both going to carry that door over. We're both going to walk back. We're both going to grab that closure and we're both going to screw it on. How's that sound? And I was like, Sounds good. Yeah. Hey. Whatever. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Oh my god. That that was kind of my my, And I'm not saying union. You know, workers don't work hard. That was just my. Initially, I was like, all right, this can be a little bit different than what I'm used to because um, you know, we could kind of I say set our own hours. You know, if we wanted to show up at six and take off at two thirty or work four tens and, yeah. and go hunting or whatever. I kind of could set my own hours and I, you know, I always have my own crew. So a little, little bit different. And and I got fucked with a lot, you know, I got called rat and shit and everything else. And I, uh, I worked in Washington for a while and we had union guys pick it. And, uh, Oh dude, that was awesome. Cause I'm a super confrontational guy. Um, so <laughs> I got to the picket would be throwing shit at them and, uh, grab their signs and snap them in half and shit, just trying to instigate them. But that was back in my younger days when I was a bit more aggressive.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I, I, I never really ran into, I mean, for one thing, elevators were so specialized and in some States there's, I think there's quite a few non-union, but you know, elevator companies and stuff, but around here, there really isn't, uh, new york iowa never i've never really ran into having any of that but uh they're they're pretty good to us i mean there's days we start early we don't you know we don't we don't actually we don't even get breaks it's not even in our contract that we can have a break in the morning afternoon uh but and we work if we're working doing something we'll work through lunch and take lunch late i mean it's it's not it doesn't feel that uh like you're in the army kind of thing or that, or where guys are really watching you and worried about every little thing you do because they don't want you, uh, you know, they're not worried about you doing more than them and stuff like that, you know, or getting done too fast or or stuff like that. It's With the elevators, it's fairly it's laid back. I mean, we get pressure on us because everybody needs to make money, you know, at times if things don't go, you know, especially when things aren't going well. But,
0: uh, yeah, I think too it's different, my, obviously, because with, you know, we've got 20 guys on one job site trying to close the building in, where you're, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're more, you know, yeah. scalpel type of yeah. stuff. I'm a, we were a broadsword.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And usually, usually other unions are pretty good to us because they need the elevators well they want them them in and done and fast because they need to haul stuff up and down the. you know when when we're installing them you know
0: yeah and with us you know we're the assholes in the group where's that especially when it's cold out what fucking glass guys can't get the building closed up yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) Yeah, uh, uh, anyway. I, I had I had fun though with construction. Je- uh, Jeremy Troxel, he's a super close friend of mine. We don't hang out as much. He was my apprentice forever. He's actually a PM now. He might be running a, a glass shop, but you know the, kind of like uh, you know, let's say living in Washington. I only remember the sunny days, not the two hundred and thirty rainy days when I look back. So I, <laughs> I don't remember the bad yeah. times as much. But uh, physically, it's it definitely took a toll on my body carrying those big ass units you know upstairs especially like when you couldn't fit one in an elevator um Mm -hmm. and uh yeah and and elevator guys obviously like we we would have and i can't remember who the big uh, elevator companies are out here there's two of them um
1: well there's probably otis yeah Yeah,
0: that's that was one of them they you know they would come out sometimes and uh you know, work with us on the time delay for the, the door, you know, the doors so they're not banging into the glass and everything else. And I just, I I, I remember we had one guy die, one Otis guy die on a job site at Fiddler's green and, uh, the cable somehow came undone, whacked his head off or some shit. It was crazy.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's been bad lately. And the last, I think year and a half, we've had eight elevator guys killed. And, uh, not necessarily on construction it's uh even guys doing maintenance and stuff you gotta you just you know you're right in the top of the elevator you just you I got one guy opened doors he thought the elevator was there and he opened the doors and it was dark when the lights were off in the elevator it, he left them off the next day he went to get on open the doors from the outside went to step in the elevator wasn't there that happened right here in my town and he went down six floors
0: Oh, good lord! That's horrible.
1: Yeah, and well, you know, they're just—it's—it's it's one guy. I guess a guy—a guy died here a couple weeks. ago. I guess he got electrocuted, which doesn't happen very often with elevator guys. Um, but it's—it's uh, it's just like anything, though. You just—you do it too long, you can get complacent too, you know. And you got to try and stay on your toes the best you can.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. For think
1: things things out. Yeah. Think things out before you do them, especially when there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, I I had I had a friend that was wiping an elevator machine down that, you know, the cables go up over a driver and there's counterweight cars on one end, counterweights on the other. He was wiping with the rag and it caught the cables and it sucked his hand up under the cables and the elevator stopped and his hands were between the cable and the driver, the shiv. And he's standing there with his hands pinched between the cables and that, waiting for that elevator to move again so it'll run his hand out from under there. So That sucks. Yeah, yeah, his fingers were screwed up for the rest of his life.
0: Yeah. Well, on a brighter note, they let's work. start talking about hunting. Jesus, now I'm all depressed. <laughs> I mean, so, right? <laughs> God damn. Go to college, kids. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah, go to college. <laughs> uh, Why? Well, since we get to college, my you know my daughter's at that time go you know going to school, and uh, I hate for her to look at me because I'm I'm I, I've turned out semi-successful and doing all right, and uh, she knows I. I think I graduated with a 1.8 or three sacks per game, one or the other. It wasn't good. And, uh, you know, and then she called the other day asking about physics. And so I looked at the question. Yeah, I say, all right, Kaylee, we got a buddy, Matt Fettig, who's um, basically a rocket scientist. And then my buddy, Paul Gustafson, who he's a he's an engineer. He he like tests all the welds um, on the different metals for like out at DIA anyway. And then bill at iron yeah. will all extremely smart people. So there, that was my list for tutors for Kaylee. And, uh, <laughs> no, no fucking way. I was going to answer those questions. I was looking at, I was like, is it multiple yeah. choice? Just pick C, honey. <laughs> if you pick C on all of them, you'll get like 33.33% right. Probably. But, that's,
1: that's always what i heard too. When yeah. I going to college, always pick C if you didn't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but you, so you've shot traditional archery pretty much your whole life, haven't you?
1: Or pretty close. Yeah, anyway. I, yeah. Since 1974. Well, I, I started started hunting deer in 1974 with a. I was negative negative
0: three at that time for those listening. Yeah, wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's what I figured, and uh, I had a few years. You know, I just I was only 14 then. Or, yeah, I was 14 and. And you'd see guys with compounds, and I do, and I, you know, and eventually I got my mom to buy me one. Actually, I was, my mom was always good. She'd say, she'd get it for me, say, okay, you got to work and pay this back, and then she'd never make it. Anyway, yeah, I- I like a A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'd be saving money, and then she'd never asked for it, so I probably didn't bring it up, you know?
0: Yeah, no kidding.
1: And, uh, but anyway, yeah, no, almost, almost forever in that, and I, I- had about a target panic back in, uh, like 88, 89, 900 with the compound a couple of years there. Um, for some reason, the let off, the let off of the compound, which then was probably only like 40% or something, uh, was enough that, uh, I always shot 70 pound recurves and just that let off. It just, I didn't have target panic when I didn't have that tension at the back, it seemed like. Well, you, you, if I know what I knew now, yeah. I just would have bought a light, re- I, I would have bought say. a light recurve.
0: <laughs> you, you, know? you yourself for, for years, didn't you? Didn't you always shoot a, just a crazy heavy bow?
1: Oh yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I've shot, I shot 80 pounds a couple years just cause I was going, <laughs> going, that. uh, water buffalo hunting. <laughs> Dude, that's horrible. You know? And the last time I went cape buffalo hunting, I shot 80 pounds and I put a clicker on it to boot. You know? Oh Lord. Um. But back then you know I was shoot I'd shoot an eighty pound compound bare bow you know fingers and bare bow and so I was still holding forty pounds you know when I was if it was fifty percent let off I was holding forty pounds and and I just wasn't smart enough then that I just could have got a light recurve and been fine and done the same thing you well,
0: know well now like I shoot fifty eight pounds and that's considered heavy and you're you're down around there too now aren't you 55, 58?
1: yeah yeah. I shoot fifty seven pounds now, yeah.
0: Yeah. And you have you how long have you shot
1: widows? Oh, I don't know. I'd have to go back and find some pictures just to even see, but I it's been twenty I'm guessing around twenty five years, something like that. I knew Ken Beck, the origin, well, he wasn't the original owner, but owned it back in the eighties and stuff and I ran into him and shot a shot a tournament with him and uh met him there and then we just kinda of became friends and and uh, I got buying them through a local store. They did have it uh, sold to dealers back then for a few years. And uh, I was in pretty good with the shop. And so they sold them to me for like cost or just a little over cost. Back then, I couldn't afford one if they wouldn't have done that, you know. And uh, cause they've always been more expensive of a bow. But now every, everybody's pretty much caught up with them, you know, on their prices. They have gone up near as what everybody else has got to, but, uh, yeah, but I've, I've, I've just, they've just been such a great bow for me. Um, I really like the guys down there. Uh, they always have plenty of bows there. If you'd have a problem at all, uh, they'd send you something to shoot. You know, uh, I usually keep enough around that, that if I would have a problem, I could, I'd still have one to shoot, but, but, uh, no, they're just they're just a great bunch of guys. Now they have they keep like, oh, they must have like a hundred bows right there, all made up and everything. If you if you want to try one, you can call them and they'll they'll uh, they have a loaner program where they send it to you and you can shoot it for a week or whatever and try it. It's uh just they're just a really really good company and uh, just the three guys that bought it from Ken are just fabulous guys and and uh, uh.
0: I tell you what, they're they're pretty. Per- nice. I, I, they're they're, they're not exactly live wires. They're funny, but I mean, I'm literally Toby'd be like, "Hey, yeah, the building's yeah. burning down. <laughs> we probably should get out of here."
1: <laughs> they, they are like that. <laughs> you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Get, they're funnier than hell when I, you hang with them. I mean, when you literally hang with them, they are just cards. They really are. But but they're not laugh out loud cards.
0: You know? Yeah well, and uh give you an idea You got to be listening.
1: Yeah. They're okay. going to they're going to they're going to they're going to jab you and they're going to stick things in there those uh, between Toby and Roger and uh They sent me so pink arrow wraps so with my too- last
0: bow little fuckers in my box. <laughs> 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 so I I sent when yeah. I sent my limbs back uh I put uh Miles Loves Man Chowder or Miles Loves Little Boys or something on the, <laughs> the box. <laughs> <laughs> miles was, i didn't know miles had a kid and uh i didn't even know he had foot yeah. on his nuts and uh
1: yeah i know he's he <laughs> not going in there on everybody i'm telling you i was
0: like so what'd your dad think oh he wasn't real happy at first but you know i mean he he's happy now i guess you know <laughs> oh yeah
1: that that kid's on facebook all the time with nothing but smiles you that they're his uh Chrissy, my, uh, Toby's wife is always posting pictures of that little kid. That little kid, always in somebody else's arms. I mean, that that little kid's getting more loving. That probably knows what to do with.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. No, they're they're, yeah. they're super good, uh, good dudes. And and uh, they I it, you know I call you know, I, hey man, I fell on the deer and the deer fell on the bow and then I fell back on top of the deer and I, I'm pretty sure I fucked the bow up and. <laughs> <laughs> well send some photos if you need to send it in let us know we'll get a fix and i'm like all right well here's some pictures and i said you're probably okay i mean it's not cosmetic it's just cosmetic and i'm like you sure well we're never sure but i mean i wouldn't worry about it and i'm like all right sounds good to me um they you know so they're oh. super you know what i mean mellow and and uh i help miles out on you know social media or whatever a little bit on their facebook or instagram page and uh he um he's funny because he'll he's um you know he's learning it along the way and he's only like 19 i think and uh yeah you know as t- as he's i'm young. talking to him the little fucker's a bullfighter and i'm <laughs> that is not what i was expecting yeah i do pretty good i mean i think i'm in top four or three you know in, in the united states and i'm like well yeah that's yeah. pretty good, Toby. <laughs> Pretty good, Miles. That is
1: pretty good. Miles, yeah.
0: And then yeah. he got his he nutsack.
1: He What's that? Horn up into his nuts. You hear about him running that horn? Well, that's what he, I was you thinking. You know, he walks over. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was getting it Tell
0: the same story you are, so go ahead.
1: No, and you just, he he walks over the top of them bowls and that. This kid's like Spider-Man. I've watched him crawl up beams in schools. You know, I've been, and his, and Chrissy saw the video and says, I think they're going to be glad to get rid of him this year. They had a straight I beam. he grabbed it and walked right up into the ceiling in the gym and then came right back down it. <laughs> and, 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 and he was always doing I mean, he's always doing this. I saw videos of him doing these wild things. He walks over the top of them bowls, you know, and that, and one hooked him and went right up through his nut and into him. And he kept fighting that day. And that night he went. He got back, and he had blood all over him and down in him. And he said it wasn't even really hurting. And he went to the doctor, and he had this giant puncture wound. And they had to stitch him all up in that.
0: Oh, I, 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 and, I texted oh, him and asked how his, uh, you know, salmon eggs and grub worm were. And he was like, I think you mean ostrich <laughs> eggs, and. Uh... Uh, like whatever, like C E or eel or something or Python or some shit he came back with. He's a pretty snappy kid. He's funny, but obviously no fear.
1: Oh. No. And then the doc said, you, you're going to need to take, take three weeks off, you know, and be careful with this. He goes out the next, the next weekend, he goes out fighting bulls again. I think he rips a couple stitches out yeah. doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The kid's crazy, but he, he, he's just like Toby, too. I mean, he's funny and just just a great kid. You oh, know?
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, they're world-class people. But are you shooting – you shoot a PMA, don't you, right now?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I like a little heavier riser, and yeah. uh, that one is. And I started having them make me solid fiberglass risers, Just just nothing in it, just black. And uh, it was so, you know, just for the the stabilization of the bow and that. And I'm telling you, that thing shoots beautiful like that. There is nothing there when you shoot it. But I I hated carrying them on sheep hunts, you know, because I'm adding two more pounds to the riser. And so I went back to using wood ones because they're just so heavy carrying around and backpacking around
0: there's quite a bit of phenolic in that one. They just, that, that one is a beautiful, I think I'm going to use it up in Alberta, the black and white ebony. They put quite a bit of um, phenolic in the, the riser for that one. Yeah. They told me, I can't remember how Roger worded it, but it, it basically translated to Randy would fuck up a wet dream. So he's a good person to have test shit. Cause you break everything. I think <laughs> is what they.
1: <laughs> yeah. I've, I've done a few things that bowls usually after a sheep hunt, I got to send them in. They got it. They have actually the riser in the catalog showing before and after of how good they can refinish stuff is one of my risers. <laughs>
0: well, that they, they may have. be using mine from this year because that, deer, that <laughs> mule deer fucked it up. But they said, well, you shoot light, pretty light arrows too. So they were saying, as far as testing limbs, you'll shoot a 450 grain arrow at 70 pounds or something crazy or 480. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, I always did. I always shot about 400. Yeah. Around 480, high 400s, depending on the arrow and how it came out. But uh, I usually shot around 500 grains or a little less. And uh,
0: Well, Ashby I, would I, spank I, your ass for that. I hope you know.
1: Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what, though? I mean, with 70 pounds and that, I I've always kept my speed up around. Oh, I always liked it between 210 and 220. And... uh I normally normally i you're closer around 210. That's an easy number to achieve with 70 pounds and get an arrow stiff enough. I was always shooting full length arrows, so getting them stiff enough and and that. Um, but but I just always like that speed because I always like to shoot out to 50, 60 yards, and uh, it just it just closes your gaps up so much having that you know because I always shot just. One anchor, split fingers, corner of my mouth. Basically what you call it stinky, I guess. And uh, so, you know, different than what I do now. And so I just, and even now having, having face walking and that, it's, I still, I still, I'm shooting a 480 grain arrow, but I'm doing about 57 pounds. Um, but there's such a big difference. I was shooting 50 pounds for a while. And just going up that seven pounds really made my gaps close up out of longer range, gave me more yardage.
0: Yeah, well, you you yeah. zipped through some pretty large-bodied animals with, I mean, I, I guess especially with the um, the craze of FOC and everything else, you, you've um, uh, well, you've zipped through a moose full body length with a four hundred and eighty grain arrow or something, haven't you? I mean, you, you it's, know, it's not like yeah. your setup hasn't yeah. worked for you.
1: Yeah, back then that was that was a long time ago in 91, but they had uh we shot 2413. I shot 2413 aluminums and back then guys were swaging the ends so you could just glue a broadhead on them. And I'd glue a 100 grain Delta Nubbin on the end of that 2413. So, hell the shaft was even bigger than the than the furrow on the broadhead, you know. And uh, cuz we all thought we needed a lot of speed back then and i shot a moose i had a moose that was uh six feet from me my buddy called in an alaskan moose and when i drew on him he turned it spooked him and he turned to jump away from me and i just shot into it and it went in inside his uh right leg right inside of the underneath and his belly and it went up through him and came out through his uh rib cage at the front of his rib cage and uh no problem, just with that. And that was 70-pound bow, too. But, uh, so, yeah, I'm not, I don't get too hardcore on, I know you like a little heavy arrow. And I, I can't argue, there, there's no doubt in my mind, heavy arrows penetrate better. You're, you have more, there's no doubt in my mind. And uh, that's why if I go Cape Buffalo or hunting or that, I'm trying to get an 800, 900 grain arrow. Because you will not penetrate them without it.
0: I I think, and this uh, is something I try to explain to people, and and you kind of solidified that it's what you're comfortable with and what you're confident in. And man, confidence outweighs a lot. <laughs> and
1: f- every, every everything. It, it's oh, everything yeah.
0: for, as far as I'm, I'm confident at forty. I want a forty yard point on. I want 180 feet per second, whatever my arrow weighs to get that is what it weighs. And 500 and 65 to 580, 600 grains is about what that usually ends up being. And uh, I don't really worry about anything after that because that's what I'm confident in. And you're confident in, due to a lot of success, you know, a 480-grain arrow or whatever. So you can't really argue with it.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm still shooting 200 and what? 200 and I don't know what that outsert is from Valkyrie. 56 grains. The
0: stainless steel is 56. The, How much is the aluminum? Uh, twenty, twenty something. I think twenty four grains.
1: Oh, is that all it is? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm shooting at. Two hundred. I'm shooting at two hundred grain, and I've gone to three blade. I never. I always thought I needed two blades, and uh, Brent convinced me that his broadhead will do it, and I've been very, very, very happy with it since I started using it. And it's probably going to be one of the things till I see something happen that goes bad that I thought
0: shouldn't you know yeah well Uh, what you've been pretty successful um what uh i mean you've shot you got a grizzly moose you've got black bear um bunch of elk what
1: all i got a brown bear
0: a brown bear what uh yeah i mean lay down kind of throw down your your resume what all have you mean? you've killed a ton of shit with a recurve
1: yeah i i love to hunt everywhere too and i i have 20 22 animals in my North American species um, of my recurve and uh, I've shot, I've been to Africa a few times, Uh, I've been to Argentina and shot a red stag, I've been to New Zealand, Um, I've been to Spain, shot a Basadi Ibex. Uh, I don't know where else there (laughs) been to Canada a bunch, all over Canada hunting. Diddy and I, we got one continent left to hunt—Asia—and we're uh, we got we're going to Turkey. I've hunting here, and uh, I think in January of 2020 we're gone, so that we could just for our own benefits, you know, say we made it to all the continents. Gotcha. And, uh, hopefully, we can get into Turkey. Hopefully, it's not bad. My wife is not thrilled about me going there at all. I promised her I wouldn't hunt over by the Syrian border.
0: Well, tell Denny to put on some fucking sleeves on his shirt. Otherwise, they're going to know immediately he's a redneck.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Ain't that the truth?
0: Yeah. I I hate to bring up old shit, but what's your nemesis? Uh, What's one that you just can't seem to put down?
1: Doll. Doll sheep. I've been on four doll sheep hunts, three in the Northwest Territories, and I went to Alaska last year and on a horseback hunt in Alaska up in the north, uh, in the brooks. And I never have drawn my bow yet. And I finally got a sheep close last year that was about one inch from being legal for full curl and was seven years old and had us to be eight up there. So I'm getting closer. I mean, I was definitely close enough. I could have got closer to it if it would have been legal I had it at. When I had that sheep at 80 yards, I think, but I could have got on it really, really easy, closer to it. But uh, yeah, I don't know what to do. I, I got, I got friends, you know, like going up the Northwest Territories. I've recommended it to a few other people. Denny killed a sheep his first time up, another fr- with his longbow. Uh, another friend that I booked that went with us, he shot one right then the first day. Uh, two other guys, one guy shot one at seven yards, and the other guy shot one the first day too up in the Northwest territories. And I can't, I've had some bad luck. I've had grizzly. I had seven rams one day at 70 yards, uh, trying to sneak in. into grizzly bear, come running down and blew them out. Uh, just, you know, but it's hard to believe that I could go there that many times and not shoot. I mean, I'll shoot, to 50, 55 yards. I'll, I'll shoot. I think you'd get that close, but, uh,
0: I would say that uh, my, uh, my one-liner for that, for you with dull Sheep, would be, uh, if it was raining pussy, you'd get hit in the head with a dick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're exactly right. Yeah, oh, yeah shit. that's how I feel about it, too.
0: Or if they I were giving know. it away, you'd be in jail, one or the other.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, guys, guys give me a bunch of shit because I didn't grab a rifle and, and shoot one, you know, and and maybe maybe that's what I need to do to break the ice. You know how sometimes you try and try and you get one, and then all the rest seem easier after that. You know, killing stuff. Yeah, but uh, I have I have no desire to do it with a rifle. Um, I mean I've come down to the last day and had sheep and could have shot, and I tried to get in with my bow. I just I I shot a bighorn sheep. I drew a tag in Wyoming uh 21 years of applying and uh i never shot a rifle before and on the 17th day of my hunt i uh i shot a sheep at 525 yards and uh with a rifle And then the first time i ever shot one the guy had me dry fire on him a few times i laid there that was as close as we could get for where the sheep were and i told him i had enough we'd hike clear up up in this canyon and rode horses most a bunch of the way and then hiked And i told him i had enough that i had to get it done like it was a, actually it was this day before my last day of hunting or two days before or something and, and uh i just told him i said i got i, I gotta kill a sheep uh, I'll never get to buy another tag if i could have went back the next year i wouldn't have shot it. i would have kept going but uh I, anyway what I, my point was i shot that sheep with the rifle i was excited glad to get it neater than hell i got it mounted down there i mean it is neater than hell on that but there's always this just this little thing in the back of my head when i see it just wishing i have got it with a bow yeah and with my recurve it just i just the, the the passion is there so much for me that to do it with my recurve and uh I just, I just love shooting things with the recurve and just the excitement of doing it and getting it done is just, it's, it's, I don't know, it's kind of a, when you do get it done finally, especially on some of those hunts, you know, killing a brown bear, I took two hunts to kill a brown bear, um, which isn't uncommon for anybody, even with compound or anything to go on four or five brown bear hunts, you know, and uh, grizzly bear hunt, I got it done on the first time. And, uh, but it's, a it's, a it's almost getting in, get it close, getting them down and dead. It's just, it's a joyous, kind of a joyous relief almost, you know, I know now <laughs> to, to have it done. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's hard to explain to somebody too, especially, you know, until you've done it and tried it, um, a lot of work, a lot of patience. And, uh, that's, that's one thing I always tell myself when I'm hunting patience, Always kills, and uh, I just I keep reminding myself of that every time I I want to get ahead, you know, or 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 get I start feeling like I'm getting in a hurry to do something. Like that it works, you know, it's worked well for me being that way. Oh yeah, I
0: just did. Uh, go ahead.
1: No, I said there's times that I shouldn't have had patience. I should have done other stuff, but normally, percentage wise, I'm I'm going to say patience always kills when you're trying to get some of the recurve.
0: No, for sure. I just did a a Compton uh, traditional bow hunters just did an interview with me for uh, one of their magazines. I don't know. Something anyway, they asked me, you know, uh, has your hunting style changed since you picked up a stick bow? And uh, my response was something like, LOL, like, you know, laugh out loud. Yes. Uh, Because, you know, (laughs) I mean, when you get up to 80 and just shoot it, you know what I mean? With the, the compound, it, you know, that's like a, you know, at least a par two or three for most with the stick bow. I mean, you know, 40, I, I'm mm-hmm. pretty confident with. And and the number one thing that, you know, I've gained is, is, is patience. You know, you, you just have to be patient and, and almost every animal that I've, I've shot with this stick, um, not everyone, but um was you know it may have been uh being aggressive at a certain point but in the end having the patience to you know even if it means having the patience to pass on something for another day not just necessarily a stock to where it's in a more stockable position or you know mm-hmm. you see a hell of a lot more animal behavior when you're shooting a recurve because um you know you got no choice but to watch and wait <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. you get, just yeah. how it is that's
1: what i always tell everybody i about doll sheep i've you know, getting hundred doll sheep for five or six days. I've hunted them for forty some days. Getty's <laughs> got one. I don't. but I got to be a better sheep hunter by now, don't I? <laughs> <Denny>. <laughs> yeah, no. She's big. If I can't learn, you know, I don't know. Uh, but uh,
0: I I talked to Clay yesterday to try to a uh, book a doll sheep hunt with him for for next year. You know, and um he uh. You know, he's he's he likes shooting. I mean, Clay's well rounded, you know, he can sh- he's got good hand eye coordination, he can shoot pretty much anything. And uh, I said, dude, I'm just telling you now before you commit, um, you know, me, I said, I, I really, I'm not that worried about bringing one, you know, home. I said, minus, you know, some double broomed above the nose, just you know, dipping heavy. I'm not picking up a gun, it's going to be with a stick. And I said, I don't, I don't want to piss off a a guide or something because, you know, it's going to take the right place and right time. And, uh, he was like, yeah, no, no worries, man. He's like, we'll figure it out. <laughs> like, all right, we'll see. <laughs> so, cause I mean, yeah, I mean, guides got to get tired of that shit. I, worry I would worry think. about
1: that too with guides. Yeah. You know, I worry about with guides and, and, and I walk in and you know, it's where's your bow and it's in this bag, you know, and then it's, Oh no, I drew this guy. You know,
0: <laughs> well, didn't Cronenberger, wasn't he yelling at his guides? Cause they forgot your bow because they, he didn't know you had it. Cause it was in a smaller box.
1: Oh yeah. I, I, when I was brown bear hunting, I got into Cinder river lodge and the guys are carrying my bags up. And they said, where's your Andy's bow. And they said, it's right here. And he got mad at them and argued, No, it's not, it's not there. It's gotta be in a bow case, you know, and that. And then, and, and finally, uh, they, they, uh, insisted and told him that what it was and it was in there and then he was good with him. Yeah. He told me about that last year at the sheep show that he was chewing their ass out and all over them and wouldn't believe him. And, and, uh, you know, well, about did, that. Didn't but, you have uh,
0: some dude kick you out or not, or, uh, he, you, you booked a hunt with them and then he, he turned you, turned you down cause you were shooting a recurve.
1: Well, yeah, I, I talked to him at the sheep show. Of course I don't, you know, I, I don't know if I don't offer it, but I don't think about it because it's just what I hunt with, I guess. I don't even think about it. You know, I'll say I bow hunt. And I went, I called called my booking agent to see if he books with them. And he said, yeah. And he sent him an email saying that I wanted to book for this certain year because they have some fannins and I was going to go hunt fannins. And I knew they had a few hunts there, and he sent it back saying that uh, he had a couple excuses that were bullshit, like I don't know, I don't know what the dates are, how much it, I think it was, I don't know how much it's going to cost for twenty nineteen or twenty twenty or whatever the hell the date was, but I just don't think I can take Randy since he's shooting a traditional bow, and uh, I don't know, I kind of, t- I don't, I, it ain't personal because he could do that to anybody, but. But it just I don't know. It kinda it 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 bothers me a little bit. Guys have that attitude, you know. And oh
0: yeah. Yeah. Well it you know
1: that guy does that guy doesn't know what I've killed or anything, you know. He doesn't know how I shoot. He doesn't he doesn't know anything except that it's a recurve and I don't know if he thinks I gotta be within ten yards. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But uh yeah, he just said no. He shoots tradition you know. He shoots, uh, I don't know what he called. It. He said traditional bow or recur, whatever. He, he wouldn't be able to take me using that.
0: Yeah. Well, I, are you are you going to uh, book another doll hunt? You think?
1: I I really enjoyed where I was in Alaska last year, but I saw a bunch of sheep and a bunch of rams, but no shooters that were legal. And I got talking to all these guys, and I'm about it, you know, because guys were whacking rams right and left before we got there. And uh, I talked to a guy that had been going, he'd been up there hunting with this outfitter for like, I don't know, he was there this year just with a buddy, he brought a buddy there to shoot a sheep, and of course with a rifle, but his buddy uh, won't miss, I think he missed one, he shot twice and missed one. But he told me, he says, you can definitely get it done, but he says, you've got to book the first week before everybody else is in here, because you'll just, shooting your bow like that, you just... You're just going to need the opportunities, and uh, he says, "I know you can get on one and get one." And this guy is, this guy is—I uh, don't know what he is. I don't remember what he is with the Sheep Foundation trustee or something with him. Really nice guy. Yeah. Anyway, so I think I'm gonna—I I emailed him and I haven't heard back from him that I want to book another hunt that I want to go the first week. And I know he—I know the guy's out there doing stuff and hunting, so it's not, you know. I'm sure he hasn't seen his email to even reply to me or call me or that, but yeah. um, I like it. I'm not a big fan of horses. That makes uh, two of us. I had a bunch of horse problems. <laughs> uh, I should have said that. I'm not, it's not that I'm not a fan. Um, it's just when you don't ride a lot, you know. I'm not afraid of them or anything, but you got it's like I got to relearn how to handle a horse every time I I go do it.
0: I'm just not a fan and of how my knees feel when I get off the damn thing.
1: Well, you got that, too. You My ass. I got scars on my ass from my bighorn hunt, riding horses all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, This hunt was a little bit better. Actually I, actually, I took a pad with me, and I threw a pad on the saddle where it hurt my ass before. And uh, I didn't use it at first for the first few days, and then I started feeling it. Kind of like having a hot spot in your foot, you know. Yeah. You want to do it right away. Yeah. But uh, we rode, we rode, we rode long days and a lot, and saw a lot of sheep, and just couldn't find a shooter. So, um, but we did get in close, close a few times, just to, that that I could have got on them. And I really like the area, and uh, we'd stay out at night, take take camp, and stay out at night too, you know, and that not just stay at the base camp, and. Uh, it's a good hunt i'm i'm gonna do it i think i'm gonna do it one more time and uh nothing happens i don't know i'm i have a hard time quitting uh well your fourth trip
0: i would say so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, a
1: lot of money a lot of money expensive camping trips aren't they
0: well i I was talking Uh, to john pinch about this about uh you, you know just not that it's the same but you know with the the mule deer this year it you know how it i told frank i said we got to go back in there and kill one and this will haunt me the rest of my life and some people are okay with it to to not get one and oh it was a great trip and i you know it's great experience yeah. whatever and it, it may be all that but it still sucks go for balls when you don't kill something it's just how it is
1: yeah yeah and, and uh and you know what's funny is You'll you'll do, and I know, and I know you're this way too. Is you forget about all the pain and stuff? You were up on that mountain all that time. You were miserable when you came down, weren't you?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I looked all like a the, looked like a it, refugee. Yeah, and My hands you, you were swollen. I was all fucked up.
1: <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Yeah. We have a, and I think I think it's just human nature. You have an uncanny way of forgetting about all that. And forgetting how much you hated it or forgetting about the pain. Well, that's why dudes get uh, back with
0: ex-girlfriends. They forgot what psychos they were. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
1: That's funny. (laughs) The first first goat hunt I went on in B.C., I get this goat. I mean, it's miserable climbing up this thing. You know, up these mountains, they drop you on a high lake. You climb up, you go find a goat, you go down, go over Mm -hmm. to it. Hours to get there, whatever, come back. Coming down with a load, I fell twelve times coming down this chute in these rocks. And one time, I one time I uh, slid about twelve feet on my back with my pack on my back, and I slid and I got my heels put in and I stopped and I look and my bowstrings laying over my lap, and I sit up and I'm thinking, where the hell's my bow? And I sit up and my bow's laying under my pack behind me. <laughs> and, and and that that was that was the time that. That bull got beat up bad, but, uh, I fell 12 times. I saw the guide fall four or five and we got down to the very bottom where it was kind of flat by the lake. And I, and he, he was getting way ahead of me. So I wasn't exactly sure where he was going. I knew the direction. Anyway, I'm standing on this big boulder and it's about three foot and there's grass right below it. I'm standing there looking, where the hell did he cut around here? And my foot slipped and I went off that boulder. I landed face first on the grass and I slid downhill into a pine tree. And I rolled over on my back with my pack on me and I'm moving my fingers and moving my ankles, seeing if everything's all right, you know, on my wrists. And I get up and I head head over towards camp. I get there and I'm just, I mean, I'm just sweating like you wouldn't believe, soaking wet. Just, and I crawled in that tent and laid down and I looked at that guy and he says, aren't you gonna get your sleeping bag? And I just said, hell no. (laughs) I said, you know what, buddy? I'm, and you know, and then I was probably 50 years old. I said, I'm not ever, ever doing this again until I'm in better shape and 21 years old. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, next thing you know, I'm booking another another goat hunt up in Alaska, in a place where it was way worse hiking than it was in BC, and I didn't know, you know. And I'm having to wear crampons up there because I felt so many goddamn times, and, <laughs> and, you know, and just. But you forget about it, you know, and I'm sitting here, I was sitting here thinking the other day, you know, God, I really, my goat, I shot a goat up there and it went off a cliff and I couldn't retrieve it. It was unretrievable. I was actually thinking about booking a hunt with them again. And all I could think about, well, I was there. I was so miserable and I was, I don't want to say what I, you know, that's when I told you I was taking that stuff that had keratin in it. Yeah. And my whole body was, I put up, I think it was keratin.
0: Creatine, creatine right?
1: yeah. Creatine, and my whole body was cramping up. You couldn't touch me anywhere. Every muscle in my body hurt, and uh, I had a hell of a time. And every and it was crawling up because you you actually glass these goats from the river bottom, and then you have to climb after them. And and we ended up going up there and staying then uh, one night before I shot the one goat because it was just it was just killing me. I hurt so bad. I could think of how miserable I was, but. And here I was thinking about doing it again, you know. Well, I don't, tell, it just, tell
0: me if you're going to do it again because I'll book with you because I, I want to go on another go. <laughs> the good thing oh, with me is I'm still young and dumb, so I can carry a lot of shit, and I'm funny. So.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to carry some of my stuff. Actually, we had a pack or two. He helped me out carrying stuff. I ended up having to take my bow apart and jam it in my pack because you had to pull yourself up. You know, you couldn't even use walking sticks. You had to grab the alders. And pull yourself up in that to get up in areas in that it was just
0: oh yeah do something I had to strap that bow around me this year for that deer uh, like legolas except a fatter version with short hair because uh, I couldn't uh, I didn't have my pack because I dropped my pack and I got to these cliffs and I'm like man how in the hell am I going to get over these cliffs so I you know I put my my riser on my back and my string on my chest which my chest is a hell of a lot deeper than a nine and, or eight and a half inch brace height, you know, so it wasn't moving a whole lot cause it was stuck around me and I'm getting over these cliffs and I'm like, man, this is one of those falls. I'm not just going to end up all fucked up and brain dead. I'm going to die <laughs> like this. That's a long ways down, you know, but yeah.
1: Yeah. I figured, I figured you were going to tell me you were popping arrows out of your quiver, doing it like that too. The then you what? about got up where you want to go or something. Your arrows popped out and fell back down.
0: Yeah no th- well you know um luckily um with the uh, the kind of the way that uh uh you know if I when I strapped that on I learned if I go high right shoulder to low left um you know at least the um the you know they're they're away and uh, the you know the feathers are down but I can pivot as, yeah. as goofy as it looks I can pivot my ass around to keep those the angle of (laughs) the arrows away, you know, from the cliffs, man, that bow got so fucked up by the time I was back. Same thing. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, you know, I use it for a walking stick, a shitload. Um,
1: I do, I do that too. Wear through bow tip. That's what I did with a goat hunt. Wore through my bow tip on the bottom and I'd put another, took the one off the top and put it on the bottom because I always use two.
0: Oh yeah. Well, you know, people, you can say what they want about a, a a widow but the one thing um man they take a fucking beating i mean Uh i felt that i mean that bow literally when i fell on the deer and the deer fell on the bow and i mean it cut the string on the rocks like half the strands um you know and frank was all screwed up anyway and in his stomach you know we thought and he looked at he's like oh that's too bad that's about all I got out of them. And I was like, yeah, that is too bad, Frank. My bow's all screwed up. He's like, yeah, well, the deer's dead. You should start cutting it up. <laughs> I was like, all right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you, I, I'll give you a real good testament to him. I broke six G-knocks in two days and dry-fired a 70-pound widow six times in two days. And... Every time I did it, I thought, oh, how many more can this take? And they'd do it again. And I called Easton because they were G-knocks cheering right off. And I called Easton and I said, we got to do something. I'm sure my voice sounded like I was a little bit uh, anxious. And the guy figured out I was cleaning the bottoms with acetone, not taking the knocks out. The fumes will go off and deteriorate the knocks.
0: Yeah, I've and, heard that.
1: And uh, it'll weaken them. And so I, yeah, two days, my boat. And, and not only when they dry fire, it hurts the bow, but God damn, you get marks on your arms and cuts and <laughs> all kinds of shit. You know? no.
0: Yeah.
1: It ain't just, it ain't just the bow hurting. You know, I had giant welts and a big bump and, and plus you're hitting that same spot the next time. So yeah. And they, they, they held up good. I, I did break one, one time I broke, I broke a riser once. I drove over it with a truck and a trailer. <laughs> and uh, it did crack it. Did track
0: it. <laughs> Piece of right. shit! Can't believe that. How'd you do that? Did you just forget and drive? I mean, I drove over a compound last year, but <laughs> well, the yeah, guy did. I,
1: I leaned, I leaned it against the side of my truck. I was whitetail hunting, and I leaned it against the side of my truck rather than put it away to load a four wheeler. And I went, and got my truck, and backed up, and went forward, and didn't see it, know it, and I drove right over that thing. And Ken Beck told me it fell with the sight window down, so it was like a bridge. He told me, he said, ah, if the sight window would have been up, you wouldn't have broke it. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it just it just cracked it. And uh yeah, I was oh, and that bowl was only two weeks old too.
0: Oh dang. That's right. What oh yeah. <laughs> what do you got for hunts coming up? Um I know you're you're going bear hunting with me with Lander, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Next year it's uh uh, oh, we're gonna go down to Florida, Denny and I, and hunt turkeys. And uh, in March, and then you in May or something like that. And then we're going to Africa. We're going to Namibia in June. And we're going up caribou hunting in uh, or I'm yeah we're going up caribou hunting in August to Alaska. And then Colorado, hopefully draw sixty one for Colorado next year. I got twenty two points now. Yeah, no, uh, no kidding. I, that bare ground caribou is the last caribou I need to have all of them. Who
0: are you going with for
1: that? uh, I'm so sorry. I can't tell you right offhand.
0: No, I don't. I I
1: booked it. I booked it. I booked it through bow hunting safari consultants and it's a place where Roy Roth used to go. He had some place he drew tags and if he didn't draw, he went to this area and uh, I, I it's so far out. I got to tell you, usually I book them hunts like that and if they're so far out that I, you know, I sometimes will forget if I haven't been with them before. I've never been with these guys. You, is Denny going um, with you on that
0: one or are you going solo?
1: Yeah. Denny and I are hunting more together next year than we had in a long, long time. We got, we got one, two, well, the first four hunts next year, him and I are going to be hunting together. Yeah. So we and stuff. So, but, uh, yeah, we always have a good time. Hell, we were on a, we were on a fourteen-day camping trip in Zimbabwe, leopard hunting, and never got a bait hit. Yeah. So we were in camp, camp for fourteen days. There's another expensive camping trip. <laughs> <laughs> not. Yeah. God damn. damn. <laughs> <laughs> Go I, quit, I quit worrying about the money a long time ago, though. Well, <laughs> you, you know it's a possibility, you know.
0: You, you guys practice shooting at night and shit and everything. I mean, you guys put a lot of effort into that, too, didn't you?
1: Oh, my God. Well, I was supposed to hunt Cape Buffalo. He was going to hunt leopard. And I was supposed to hunt Cape Buffalo. And two weeks before we were leaving, we got a phone call from booking agent. They closed uh, bow hunting, of thick all bow hunting, of thick skin game in Zimbabwe. So the outfitter told me, of course, for another 5,000, I could hunt leopard. And so, um, and it was still actually it was still cheap for a leopard price of what another five thousand was, and uh, yeah, we were. I was driving down to Denny's an hour and a half, going down there, and getting there at nine o'clock at night and stuff, so that we could. We had these uh, lights like that, those little purple lights or whatever they are that you shine on sight pins. Yeah, we made brackets and mounted our bows and put a fluorescent strip around the end of our arrow because you're going to be in pitch black in the underground, they dug pits in the ground, and they were level on top you couldn't even tell there was the a blind there and then they dug a hole angled up towards where the bait was up in the trees and we were going to sit down in that hole and when a leopard comes in, you pick your bow up or we turn that little light on and then when you draw back, when you got the full draw, you can see that that fluorescent band on the end of your arrow and you could use it like a sight pin and you, you know, for your yardage, you know where to hold it you could see where to hold on the leopard. Oh, and the, there was a green kill light mounted up in the tree that was remote. And when the leopard was up there, and they knew it was eating, they slowly bring this green kill light up. Now this is all theory to me, you know, because I never got to do it. <laughs> but uh, we we practice it a lot. I mean, every day, every night they had a, they had a blinded camp, and every day, I mean, we got so much shooting in. I mean, when you got nothing to do for fourteen days. <laughs> <laughs> i mean we were oh my god it was it was a denny bought a leopard target and put it up in a great big pine tree at his house and we had a blind and we worked on it there and we spent yeah we spent a lot of time getting ready for that thing
0: yeah
1: well we but, talked uh, about be-
0: before you went on the doll hunt you know because trying to practice you know what's applicable or applied to your actual hunt um is important, and it and it screwed as much as I practice. It still screwed me a little bit because of the steep angles. So I can only imagine shooting out of a freaking hole in the dark at a cat. Um, <laughs>
1: take a little practice yeah, ahead of I time. Mean, yeah, yeah, that angle stuff bothers me too because I really have nowhere to to truly practice it. Like you guys going to you guys go to those tournaments and have places there. Where I see you're shooting shit straight down. Yeah, yep. a long shot, long shot from that, and that's that's I I don't even know how you know I mean I don't I haven't had to do it yet even on the sheep I haven't had to do it to say if, how bad it'd screw me up and you know all I, all I can do is range find it and use that and aim accordingly you know.
0: Yep. Oh that's yeah. All I really got. yeah. Well, I don't know if you saw that video of that deer, but that it was crazy steep on the the angle of the deer. You know, I had oh, I had yeah. well, steeper shots than that I saw before. The
1: arrow that missed this.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, in
1: that first that, yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Well, you could see from the angle it was sticking in the dirt. It was pretty damn steep.
1: Yeah, that, that's what I mean. I saw that angle and I thought, Jesus Christ, look how you're in a tree stand above
0: it. Oh, it was it was funny. My 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 fucking toes blew through the front of my stocking socks. And being so alert to what was going around, I was thinking to myself, man, it feels like there's a rubber band around the middle of my foot. And I looked down, and sure as shit, there was, because my stocking sock was blown back and, you know, cutting off circulation. You know what I mean? Like super pressure around there. And oh, I was yeah. like, what the hell? You got to be shitting me. And then, you know, I got my fat ass down there, and after I killed it, I'm looking up thinking, fuck, I'm not sure I can climb this in socks. It, it took me 20 minutes to get back to my damn boots, and then I had to go back and get my pack. I left my bow for that, because I had to climb those fucking cliffs. And... <laughs> You know, then I'm worried Frank's dying because of it. <laughs> yeah, I thought it's but whatever his pancreas blew up or whatever the hell was going on but yeah. The uh <laughs> uh you well you hunt um you've got a few spots up in Michigan for, for whitetail and then when you can draw you go down and hunt Iowa and Missouri as well, right? Yeah,
1: I hunt I hunt Missouri every year if I don't draw an Iowa tag. I have a farm in Southern Iowa. And even though I have a farm and I give them a bunch of tax money, they will not give me a buck tag. They'll give me, they'll let me buy a doe tag, but they won't let me buy a buck tag. Yeah. So I got to draw everybody else, and uh, usually it takes four to five years to draw that tag. And when I don't have it, I uh, I hunt Missouri. I'm about 15 miles from the Missouri border, and I got a I got a little lease down there that it, it used to just be able to hunt there and. Things happened and I ended up, you know, at least I got to keep doing it. I had to lease it. It's not that much. It's It's, it's not that much to lease right now. Yeah, and true. I got a couple up here. Well, one of them I just picked up that has some pictures of really good bucks on it. And I got one up. Uh, that, that one's a couple hours away, and then I got one here. I haven't even hunted yet. I got out there. It looks good. And that's why I'm going to I, – well, I was talking about 1974. started hunting with a reefer. I have that bear, that original bear, Super grizzly reefer. And I've never shot anything with it, any deer. Hey, reposition, no. your,
0: reposition your face on your phone a little bit. You're kind of cutting out there just a hair.
1: Sorry, got it. Same place. Is that any better?
0: Nope, that's perfect. So you were saying you, you started hunting in 74, um, and you're going to yeah, use that recurve bear, again?
1: With, yeah, it's a bear, super grizzly. And it's like, uh, my draw is about 48 pounds. And, uh, I'm not a big advocate of wood arrows and I've never ever shot anything with them. Uh, I did shoot wood arrows originally, you know, when I was starting to hunt, but, but not even deer hunting. I had fiberglass that first year, but, uh, I actually got some custom wood arrows made and I put, got some bare razor heads, the old, old ones and put bleeders in them. And I got that ball set up and I'm going to try and shoot something with it just so it isn't a virgin anymore. And, uh, I'm going to try and do something with it here uh, early season and even just whack a door that. And I'll tell you, though, shooting that old bow, it's got a Datron string on it, a little heavier arrows. Yeah. And I grab my Widow, and it's like going its like going from a recurve to a compound. Uh, I, I, can I grab know. my Widow and the way I got it set up. It's just, it's night and day. I mean, it just feels better. feels different. You know, you get a grip cut the way you want it. And, uh, of course, shooting it for so long, it's it's a big change. But I can shoot that bare recurve. I shoot it out to 25 yards pretty good. I got it set up. I got a point on at 20. so
0: That'd be good for whitetail so, uh, hunting.
1: Yeah, yeah. It'll be fine for right around here doing that. And I'm going to do it. It's just a personal thing. I'm not trying to. Prove anything to anybody or anything like that, you know, or it's just, it's just a personal thing I've thought about doing for probably the last 10, 15 years. And I just finally did it. Took the time to do it and set it up and get a string and everything. So uh, I'm hoping it works out for me and I will be right back at my widow because <laughs> it gets closer to the rut and I get a big bucket, 40 yards. And I want to, <laughs> I want a chance, you know, I want to feel like I got an opportunity. Uh, to whack
0: whack it you know i there's i mean i i the last several podcasts i've done i've talked about this but you know if a guy's looking at getting into traditional archery um more than most likely you know he'd go shoot a few bows i mean you know at rocky mountain you can shoot a ton of them but one bow is gonna you know sing to you more than others meaning you know it's gonna hit where you're looking and it's gonna feel more comfortable in the grip and everything else and um you know, you don't always have that. That's why that loaner program is pretty damn handy with, with Black Widow. But, um, there, the, the, you know, that obviously, you know, you, you start throwing in technology in there or whatever. I've shot some like just dog slow bows and it's just awkward for me to go from, you know, shooting a relatively, uh, you know, fast and traditional turn, you know, 180 feet per second bow yeah. and then launching an arrow down there at 150, It's like, man, I could fart an arrow faster than this thing's going down. And it's hard to get used to the cast of the arrow. And, and, you know, then you're also, man, it's almost, I don't want to say demasculating, but it's like, you go to the gym and you're the only guy that can bench press the bar. You're like, man, this fucking thing is embarrassingly slow. Good Lord.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it 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 just and you know what it that speed. If all you did, and I'm not saying anything wrong, just hunting whitetails. But if all you did, because whitetails, you can set things up and keep your shots within 25 yards pretty easily, you know, and that. But you start spending twenty thousand or more on a hunt. You really, you know, and you really want to kill with your recurve you Really need to come up with a plan to shoot farther and 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 build some. I I think you do, you know.
0: Oh, I man, I remember well,
1: a lot of these. A lot of this hunting's open. You know, caribou hunting's pretty open. Uh, uh, well, sheep hunting definitely is very open hunting. You know, and and antelope hunting's open. If you don't hunt water, I don't know what you do. It'd be pretty tough.
0: Oh yeah. When I shot. In, in 16, when I first started, um, I, I shot that mule deer was the only thing I shot that was, you know, considered far. It was 40 yards, um, which was my my point on. But, um, you know, everything else was, you know, 12, 20, 3 feet, whatever. Um, and then I, I said something. I can't remember what I said. Something about when you're switching, if you switch from a compound to a recurve the first year. Uh, you know, if you're successful with a compound, you know, be prepared to miss and wound more because it's it's harder and uh and guys got you know super pissed off or wait whatever. Anyway, I remember one guy. I think it was Dustin Newer. He's in Oklahoma. Made a post about this kid. Obviously, he's a dumb shit and doesn't know what he's doing because he shot a mule deer at 40 yards. And that's I can't remember exactly what the <laughs> the verbiage was, but I was thinking, man, at 40 yards. I am much more efficient than I would be at 28 because it's my point on, um, you know, and I understand animals can move or whatever, but there was bedded and facing away. And, and uh, I, you know, I, you know, to, uh, you know, I understand the, the concept. It's about getting closer or whatever. I, I understand that I'd rather have a chip shot at 14 yards and a cliff or whatever, but man, it's, it's some animals are just harder to get closer to. And if you want to be successful, you know, Alberta is not a sheep hunt, but, you know, it's $6,500, I think, for the hunt. And it's not like you're hunting private land that's not, t- you know, unbothered. I mean, these deer are skittish as shit. And I don't know. It was a moral decision. I made. Well, it wasn't a moral de- I didn't even make a decision. I saw it. I knew it was going to kill it. I mean, I wasn't like I was like, oh, that might be too far. I mean, I was like, oh, fuck, you're going to die. I shot it. But uh, it is. I mean, man, the. You've had to deal with it for way longer than me. How do you kind of feel about that or whatever with some of the, you know, range finders or the antichrist type shit, that stuff?
1: I, I, I just started really using a range finder. Even when I was shooting and thinking.
0: Repositioned and thinking again. You're kind of coming in and out.
1: Oh, I'm holding it. Oh, I'm holding it in the same place.
0: Who knows? <laughs> we'll figure it out.
1: Yeah. I, if I need to change rooms or something. I mean, I'm just in my house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll go out to a different room, maybe. Anyway, uh, I, I bought a rangefinder. Even when I was shooting instinctive, I got thinking, you know, I don't really sit there and guess yards. But what if I know the yard in my head? Is there something in my head that'll help me any better? You know, knowing it's that far and stuff. Um, but anyway, and then I started gapping and stuff, and uh, it just makes—we're back to the confidence thing. You know where a, you know how far it is. You know right where to hold your arrow. I mean, that's that gives you confidence. Now you gotta just execute the shot. There's none of this God, I wonder if it's I wonder if it's too far to shoot. I wonder if it's not, especially out in wide open areas. I mean I, I, I ranged a wolf this year where I thought a wolf was gonna come through when I was in Alaska. And I thought, Oh, I bet it's sixty yards, I can take that shot. I ranged it, it was eighty-two yards. You know, and 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 it was downhill, kind of kind of downhill, not real steep, but downhill pretty good. And and I thought, Jesus God, that would have been embarrassing to watch if I'd shot that. That wolf came through, and them guys saw me shoot that. Oh my God, and I'm off by 20 yards. You know, I just thought, holy crap. And uh, I my thing with what I've been telling people anymore is because guys, I I run into it now and then. Is uh. What do you guys got against killing stuff? What do you got against making a good shot? It just uh, the, the 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 main thing and the, the best thing about you know when you when you kill an animal, there's a lot of joy in that. But the real joy is when you make a good shot and it dies quick, and there's no drama involved later. Then I don't feel good. You know, I don't I don't like watching animals die. I mean, I, if if I make a shot and it, it especially a spine shot which luckily I haven't done too many times, but I, I'll shoot the animal. I don't stand there and watch it take its last breath. I mean, I'll turn around. I just, I do not get a kick out of watching them die. I want them to die. I want them to die fast, but, but you know, and things, things it's easy enough for things to go wrong that adding that rangefinder and knowing where to hold, it's just, I, I, I think it's that much better and, and better for the animals, especially if you're going to shoot far. I mean, I don't range like if it's twenty yards and in, I I do it more the whole way I did by feel and stuff. But but uh, I'm 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 so for that, you know, especially if you do, you're going to shoot longer range, it it makes a big difference.
0: Where Frank and I went up for our two day elk hunt, um, it was <laughs> kind of the opposite because it was tunnels, and you know, shooting three Ds tunnels make everything look far and and Frank it That's... was tough. Ta- Oh good lord it's, Frank was talking about it too cuz I'm sitting down and we we're, we're calling and uh you know I'm on where these you know how they'll come down in the timber on these game trails and you can you can pretty much pinpoint just from the game trails telling you the history right you know where they're coming or roughly and yep. You know, I set up, yep. and I was like, man, I better get closer. That's probably 45, 46 yards. Fuck, it was 24 yards. I'm thinking, man, I would have <laughs> – sh- Jesus, H. You know what I mean? I would have shot the, the rider on the back. Like, I like, oh, would have been eight feet over the top of that thing. So it definitely goes both ways when you talk about, like, the wide open. I don't use a range finder with um, – intermediately close stuff i'll I'll use it if i have time i'll pre-range but i mean if i'm on a stock and something pops up i'll just shoot it but like in alberta it's so deceiving wide open that um well the first time when i i rolled up on the one mule deer um that um that the the one i killed it was um you know, 64 or whatever I ranged it. And I thought it was closer to a hundred, you know, I was like, Jesus. And so then I looked over to my right and I'm like, well, man, that's got to be around 40. I'll get over there. And I backed out and came in. And, but if I would have got to that 40 yard point and didn't range it, I probably wouldn't have shot. Well, I know I wouldn't have because it looked so far, but once I ranged it and I was like, oh, that's 40, that's my point on. And the same thing. You know, having said, you know, the other animals I did I chose not to shoot or like high country this year, um, you know, when you get down in steep cliffs, that's also deceiving. And so if it's that close, yeah, you don't have to. But if it's on that cusp of where your comfort range is, it also gives you a warm and fuzzy to know like, okay you know, that's 38, my point on's 45, that's within range, rather than just looking at it thinking, man, that's 55, I can't take the shot, I'm a guy, I want to shoot, so I'm going to range it to make sure, oh yeah, I can take that shot, where uh, maybe yep. other guys might might not do that, but yeah, I've, I've gotten, not as of late, but you know, I've had uh, some guys message me about you know, I'm bad for traditional archery because um, I promote using a rangefinder and I'm like, you know, I don't promote using a rangefinder, I promote hitting shit, you fucking moron. So...
1: Exactly. And that's, that's exactly where I'm at on it. And you know, those longer shots, Aaron, I've wounded more animals in close than I have past 40 yards. Yeah, I can believe shot, that. I've shot a few animals, quite a few animals past 40 yards and... I, I actually don't remember wounding one past 40 yards. With that being said, I don't shoot that much past 40 yards. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but normally, and, and when it, when it's time to those longer shots, there's no saying, you know, I don't stand there and say, Oh, it's, you know, even now with the range fighter, like it's not a, it's not a, it's, it's, 45 yards. Should I take the shot? Shouldn't I shoot? You know, when you see an animal, you pretty much know. Unless, unless I pull up and it's 70 yards and I thought it was 50 or something. But you pretty much know you're going to shoot. Yeah. You're just using the range. You're just using that range finder to confirm the distance before you shoot. You're not going to normally. You're not going to pull up range it. I mean, if it's in there and you think I can kill that, you pull up range it. Normally, it's probably where you're going to shoot anyway
0: yeah inside of a range but, you're comfortable with yep
1: yeah yeah because you you know you know what feels close and what's not you know when you're getting in there normally
0: yeah i just to say i would agree with that 100 the only time that it gets a little screwy is in like like in alberta you've got those valleys um with you know what i mean you're on one you got you know yeah. you're on one ridge there's a huge dip and it's nothing but air between you and the deer that'll get a little yep <clears throat> where i'm like maybe i think and and then you get in there, you're like, oh, that's way closer than I thought, or the other way around.
1: Yeah, 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 valleys, was, across valleys are, I, I, shot, I shot my mountain caribou across the valley like that, and I thought, it, I actually thought it was closer, and it was like 41 yards when I shot it, I think. And I thought it was, you know, closer to 35 or that. And five yards with the recurve at that distance is very bad to be off.
0: Oh, Amy and I were shooting at Bear Creek last night. To, you know, I shot so good, I put the bows away. I was going to shoot today before I went to Alberta. I shot so good, I'm like, I'm leaving on the good note, damn it, because tomorrow I might not <laughs> shoot this good. But what we I was doing was, you know, because I haven't been able to shoot that much, was uh, really concentrating on... 26 33 whatever off yardage is rather than doing the standard 20 30 40 or whatever and and kind of figuring out where yep. my my point was out there at 36 38 43 um in comparison to okay if it's 36 38 i'm 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 just under the body um you know if it's 42 43 I'm, my broadhead's just cutting the back or whatever um but yeah my,
1: that's what I go in about
0: two yard increments. Oh, yeah, well, two yard. That's what I was getting at, man. You, you, you're you're off by two to four yards. I mean, that's a miss on everything, but maybe an elk and a moose. You know what I mean? And you got to be if you're mm-hmm. using your point. Um, you know, and I, I do. You know, you've done this way longer than me. I do get a lot of guys that um, I don't believe them, but uh, you know, will tell me I'm ten times the extinctive shooter you'll you'll ever be as a, a a gap shooter and i'm thinking maybe at 20 you know like you know i have no doubt that you can grip it and rip it at 20 and you're you're confident but there's no way in hell we're going to roll up at 40 yards and you're going to shoot instinctively better than i am i don't know anybody that can do that um per, you no. know personally no. tom clum can drain them in there pretty damn good at 40 uh, and but he's still knows it's 40 if that makes sense you know what i mean rather than what i'm saying is if i walk up and range it and shoot and an instinctive guy just walks up there and shoots it i highly doubt he's going to be more accurate his first arrow than i am ranging it and shooting it i just i haven't seen anybody that can do that um in comparison to a guy ranging it with a point
1: not and and not consistent either i mean i did it long enough i i used to hit really well The guys were always calling 40 yards my wheelhouse when I shot in safety, And I, you know, and I thought, God, I am really good at 40 yards, same way. Well, after I got looking, here it was my point on. When I really got down to it and closed an eye and lined it up, here at 40 yards was my point on. And I thought, well, no wonder. That's where it feels good because that's what, you know, the arrow was right there. And I didn't even realize it at the time, you know. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. No, that makes uh, total sense.
1: you need you need to figure out where your arrows at at like fourteen yards or seventeen yards.
0: Or oh man, Tom was making fun of me the other day. We were what we when we do that photo shoot thing.
1: My son, I don't remember
0: Saturday or Sunday. Saturday or Sunday. We we went out here doing a film, some kind of a thing for instructional deal, and they were just filming our release hands and shit. Anyway, um, you know, I was draining the target at forty four. And I've got three right in the high lung fucking spine area at twenty three or eighteen or whatever it was. And Tom was talking about that three D rate right, that three D uh league they have. He set up the stakes and he said he could tell by my scores because of the way he set up the course. So like when he averaged the shots from twenty eight to thirty six, I'd be shooting like in the three seventies, three eighties well 370s yeah. definitely high 360s or 370s and then he'd set up to where 50 percent were 18 to 22 and i'd be like a 340 330 or whatever um because I, I just and it's totally on me i now i will say i've practiced a lot more and what what uh if I just grip it and rip it closer up, I'm fine. But what was getting me is when my point is three feet below its foot and I'm looking at my point and then looking up at the body and, and then that would get me to where I'd end up shooting high. But if I just look and instinctively shoot, I'm better it, off.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to look at your point when you're that close. Cause it's yeah. When you're shooting like that, you don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 using your point like that, uh, that's like if I want if I wanted to shoot at a groundhog at say uh, I got a, if I I got a point on at thirty five yards and if I want to shoot at a groundhog at thirty yards I got to aim low. Well, that's when it starts getting hard to aim low and use your point is because you're you you don't know how far back on the flat ground to aim. You know. Yeah you're not you're not going below it. you are going below it but it, it makes it harder when you get your head to back up on the flat ground rather than be able to just hold below the animal or above the animal or that yeah shooting little targets like that
0: no no for but, for uh, sure
1: at least for me anyway it's like that it makes it tougher yeah but uh all i can say is rangefinders are a great thing <laughs> yeah and I, I, and I always hang. I, I actually didn't wear one. Where would I go? Compton, maybe? I didn't take mine because I didn't want any hassle. Normally, I got that thing hanging off me all the time, you know. And at the Compton shoot they have here in Michigan, I don't know, they get a couple thousand people or more here. And I thought, you know, I really don't want. Because there's always going to be a guy or two that's going to come up and want to, I don't know, tell you you're wrong or something. And I, thought, I really don't want the hassle. So, and their shots aren't that long anyway. They got a few. They stick a few targets out there 40 or 40 yards or so, but not many. So it wasn't that big a deal. But, and I, you know what? I shouldn't have let it get to me. I should have just took the thing and wore it, promoted it, and said, what the hell? But I didn't feel like it at that time.
0: Yeah. Well, before uh, we're talking about that, before we close this thing off, because we're working on an hour and 45 minutes, um, oh, kind of, th- I know, right, that went by quick. Throw down, uh, I know like you wear Lathrop and Sons boots, you're a big uh, advocate of those, you like Sitka gear, but throw down kind of some of the different gear you use for guys, you know, listening in from from the backpacking stuff oh. and uh, all the way down to like, you know, I know you use Valkyrie like that, just kind of let people know what, what, what you prefer, what oh, you found okay. works.
1: Well, I I, I got to give a big plug. I got that musk egg bag, bag this year, and I went and worked out with it on, threw some weight in it, and I thought, this, this is, I mean, that thing fits me so well. I'd go out and I'd load it up with 50 pounds. I'd go out and I'd do three miles of hard walk, and I would never adjust that thing once, and I couldn't believe it. It didn't want to work down my ass or that. And so I worked sheep hunting the whole time, hiking there. It was wonderful. And then I got to pack out. A friend of mine shot an elk. Unfortunately, I didn't get to pack out my elk. But uh, I put about half the elk in that thing, and I hiked back out. And I got back. I got way ahead of him and got back. And that thing is phenomenal. And I don't know enough about packs. I own four, five, six-year packs and stuff. But that pack is absolutely wearing that thing and, and loaning up that thing is phenomenal to wear and I've had a couple other guys put it on and think that right off the bat thrown it on
0: yeah so, that's that's the so, du- I think I gave you the duplex light frame and the muskeg is what uh what I sent you yeah yeah
1: yeah I think that's what it is and that I just I just Love that thing. I had a guy in chief camp just, ooh, and I couldn't take his hands off it. I was afraid to leave it set that he was going to take it with him. <laughs> he was just doing it on all that. Thing, but he said he's wanting to see it. He just kept coming and picking it up and looking it over. But anyway, uh, yeah, that. And uh, uh, I run Gators from Kenna track because they're, they're nice and they're quiet. I've always had good luck with them. They don't leak. Uh, all Sitka gear. I, I love my Sitka gear um mainly there's just so many options to layer with it is is uh and it's it's tough i haven't ripped any on deadfalls elk hunting where a lot of a lot of a lot of that material and stuff it only takes one deadfall going over that it's got a 2 3 inch tear in it or more uh, uh yeah i shoot black eagle x impact arrows uh 300s with a with the Valkyrie head on it, It's 200 grain broad head. Uh, I get my strings from uh, Steve Baker at Mountain Muffler Strings. He makes a string that's just phenomenal. It barely stretches. I put it on, shoot a couple arrows out of it, twist it where I need it, and it stays there really, really well. Uh, I, I concur. It later.
0: I, I love that thing. You concur with that? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah.
1: <laughs> And I get them them with the full works on them with the wool a third of the way down or wherever he puts it and the wool up at the end on the loops, just below the loops. Uh, I do trim it down, and uh, that's another way you can, when you're tuning your bow, too, you can actually trim those, you know, to fine-tune your bow in that, you can trim your mufflers, the, the wool things on there to get the string path that you need to. If it's the way you need it, the direction you need it. Don't ask me which way is which, because I don't remember right off the uh, uh, where, oh, I, I use a backpack and I use a Sea to Summit uh, pillow. Some things are awesome. Super light and small. Um, I was using a Big Agnes bag. I'm all done with Big Agnes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 I like... I liked how their pad, they had a holder for their pad, so I wouldn't slide off the pad. I really liked that. Uh, I had a hard time getting them wide enough. They fit my shoulders. They're, they're, a, they're a style bag with no insulation on the bottom, so you have to have a decent pad, which I was running uh, uh, a Air under there, the one that's got an R-factor, I think, a 7. And then, uh, uh, of course, my Black Widow uh using kind of a bow quiver that's kind of a combination thing i made up with the eagle flight hood and uh and uh Selway brackets on it that i screw in the side i only use a two arrow bow quiver and uh i use a uh, safari tough back quiver the arrow master that rod jenkins sells uh what's nice about that too like on sheep hunts i can load that thing up with a bunch of arrows. And, uh, I like, I like tuning my bow. There's one thing about, about, and I I learned this a long time ago that tuning your bow is, is, uh, the weight on the bow makes such a big difference. And the more weight you put on the bow, the, the stiffer the arrow, I believe it's the stiffer the arrow you need. Yeah. You have to take weight off the point. Yeah. And, and having a fiberglass riser go into wood riser, can't shoot the same arrow, uh, put a full whatever six seven quiver arrow quiver on your bow you take out five of those arrows and shoot it your arrow is not going to be the same tune and taking weight on and off like that just really can make a difference and and what i found is this little, real, making this real lightweight bow quiver that i have and only using two arrows i pull one out and my tune is the same with with always taking that you know keeping it down there where there isn't so much weight on the bow does it matter that much? Yeah, uh, you get back to being in your head, you know. It, it, if you're not, you know, it, it, probably the difference is your knocking point maybe being a quarter to three three eighths of an inch stiffer, weak, changing weights like that. But right. I always try to tune it on. Everything as perfect as possible, so it's just in my head that it's perfect as possible, you know. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's just, that's the big thing. Uh, but other than that, that pretty much covers, I think. Sure seems like there'd be a lot more gear, all the shit I got in my basement.
0: What uh, What about those Lathrop & boots? That's something, because I'm going to do a review on them here pretty soon. Guys have been oh, pestering yeah. me. You use the Mountain Elite, yeah. I think is what it's called, right?
1: I have I the have Mountain Hunters and I have the Mountain Elite Hunters. mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're Mountain Elite. I got both pairs. I personally seen... And I'm not exactly... I can't even figure out why, and I've asked them, and they don't understand it. I really kind of like the mountain hunters better. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why they feel... They feel better on my feet. I don't know why. I wear the Elite Hunters. I go out and hike with them on and stuff, and they're fine. Um, The mountain hunters are like a half-inch taller, maybe, is all. I don't even think it's an inch. They're just a little bit taller. I don't know if they're not quite as stiff, I'm not quite sure.
0: I think the mountain uh, hunter is probably not quite as stiff and it's all leather. So it, it uh, yeah, you know, that's another thing where you, you know, the, any time you start to put synthetic in there and it may be better for other people with synthetic, but just the feel of that, it may be because it breaks down a little bit more the, you know, the leather to form to your foot. Who knows?
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't know. And I've asked them about it because I told them my life those better, but, but, uh, I've had very good luck with them. They they send out a spray that you really, and I haven't lately, you need to keep on them. I was in Montana elk hunting. We got a bunch of snow, wet, wet, wet snow. And I walked into camp, kicked my boots, knocked the snow off, and it looked like there wasn't even any snow on my boots, on the leather. My buddy's boots are soaking wet. And I said, look at this, guys. It looks like I haven't even been hunting all day. And uh, I think my feet stayed warmer because of that. I just, uh, I haven't had any trouble with them leaking or anything. Uh, I thought I did here, but uh, on a hunt earlier, and i just, or sheep hunting, I figured I was just my feet sweating so bad, uh, which is something I was going to ask you about. If you've ever done or tried, they told me, and I got some of them and didn't use them, you buy these little wipes that are uh, heavy-duty anti, uh, anti-perspirant, or and they said to wipe your feet with them. And wipe between your toes and all over your foot. And it'll help it'll really help keep your feet from sweating. Which I don't know if you have a problem with that or not.
0: My feet sweat like crazy. But I love those guys from Lathrop and Sons. I, I don't I think that may be a crock of shit. But I, I'm not a doctor either, so if I can I only play one on a podcast? I should ask I'll have to ask yeah. somebody that knows a hell of a lot more than me. Um I certainly if I wipe my armpits down, it certainly doesn't help me from stinking and sweating, but maybe it will help <laughs> and shit, I don't
1: know. I don't know. I, they, they just told me. They told me that they've had guys, guys tell them it worked for them, and I bought them and I never tried them. I never I forgot I had them in the pack. I, I don't know. I'm gonna. I forgot I
0: had. I'm gonna wipe them all over my ball sack, and maybe that'll help from going on fire there, like a little sweat less. <laughs> what that are you doing? Might be, I'm anti be anti. Better use for them. <laughs> Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, shit. Man, well, I, I appreciate you coming on, man, and uh, I appreciate everything you've helped me with, with um, you know, traditional archery and uh, listening to me in the mornings, him and ha, and ask questions and everything else, man. I can't thank you enough.
1: No, that's that's back at you.
0: Uh, I
1: I learned a shitload talking to you. That's why I always like to talk to you. Yeah, well, I've always thanks.
0: i I appreciate it well man i think we're going to um we got a long day ahead of us believe it or not because i'm going to alberta tomorrow but my ass is going to get a peanut butter bar right now but uh thanks again though for coming on man and i'll keep you posted on how alberta goes when i'm up there
1: yeah yep good luck bud
0: thanks man take it easy